This is the Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pulled apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side by side, moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode. So please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet. And let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. Well, here we are again. It's been a feels like a long, long, long time, but hopefully it's like riding a bicycle to be like talking about an after show and a great interview that we had to to kick off the new year. It feels like forever, and um, yeah, it. I gotta say, so for those of you who haven't listened to many of our podcasts and and don't know the backstory, so the way we've set this up, Chris does all the interviews, and then my homework is sometimes sometimes you do these interviews two weeks, three weeks before we actually get them published. But I have two or three weeks to listen to those interviews and that's my preparation. That's my really my only preparation for these, these uh, after shows. And sometimes I don't know anything about the guest until I listen to the interview. And that's the case with Christian. When, you know, I had never heard of Christian De La, De La Huerta um, before I listened to the this episode that you, that you did with Christian. And man, I'm, I, I want to read his book. I can't wait for the, you know, part two and part three. This guy knows what he's talking about. And maybe I'm saying that just because we have so many overlapping interests because so much of what he said, I am deep down the rabbit hole yes. of learning in yes. my own life. Well, I'll tell you, one thing I mentioned to him, I think before we started recording the episode was, you know, I used to work in marketing, specifically direct marketing. And one of the very first lessons that copywriters taught me was that when you're writing a letter, a marketing letter, every sentence needs to count. There's no fluff. And I said to Christian, I said, I've read, I've read your book and every sentence counts. Like it is jam packed with truth bombs throughout the whole thing. So yeah, I've got to write my hand here, the uh, Awakening the Soul of Power, Christian de Huerta. And uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with him. It was a great, and I think it's a great interview to kick off, kick off the year with. It's so, so good. And we're not going to cover everything. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to do a, a review of everything you talked about. But some of the things were really fascinating. I loved how you started talking about power and our relationship to power. And, you know, he comes from it, um, comes, talks about power from a spiritual aspect, which I love. You know, anyone who knows me knows that um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with spirituality and, and everything around that. Um but talking about how power has been misrepresented mm. and how, um, you know, there's this really, there's the outside or worldly power, but also the internal and humble power, you know, and he referenced Gandhi as that example. But I loved how you, and I found it so ironic listening as a woman to you guys 
talking about you know the the outside power being the the patriarchal power you know historically the patriarchal power and the power over someone yes. or something and then the internal power the um is the feminine which has historically been considered the weak and to be power to be controlled or to be um to be controlled or the powerless right well, well and i think when i think of the of power like like the immediate images that it conjures up is probably Hollywood or headlines, right? And it was like Wall Street, hungry, money, power, greed, all that right. kind of Wolf stuff. Wolf of right? Wall Street kind of thing. Wolf of Wall Street or the or the original Wall Street back in the 80s. But but that's why I loved where Christian's coming from yeah. is because he's he's helping us redefine that. I mean, and I think it's so, it's so great and so timely right now. And I know you mentioned the Me Too movement and... You know, so many movements that are happening right now, either, you know, Black Lives Matter, the, um, I'm going to get this wrong, so forgive me, but the LGBTQT, I, I, I always mix up the acronyms, but the community of transgender and, and people are coming out, but it's coming from that internal power. It's no longer the, the patriarchal power, the power over people, but it's coming from that power within. And so I just, I loved where Christian was coming from. And He's coming from a really spiritual place, but a very empowering place, yeah, right? Yeah. Which I just, I loved. Yeah. And I think, I think the balance of really understanding what that power is, was, is, is beautifully contrasted with the power or the power seeking of the ego. Well, and this is it. And I think that was also, I mean, yeah, if you haven't listened to this in interview, listen to it because... I always struggle talking about the ego to people. I feel like I almost have to define the ego before I talk about it because as I grew up, the term ego was always referring to um, arrogance. Mm. It referring to this, you know, puffed up chest and, you know. Self-aggrandizing. Exactly, exactly. And so when I talk about the ego getting in the way, you know, I... I almost have to shelf it and be like, but I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about, and so when you guys were talking about the ego, as I think of ego, it's that, um, it's, it's the thing, it's how we identify self. It's how we identify ourself, but it's also the thing that is always self-protective, mm. you know? And, and I say that as the, our ego is always there to protect ourselves, as I understand it. And yep. I would love to hear from our listeners, you know, if you perceive it or if you have, if you want to tweak that definition for me, I would love to hear it. But how I understand it, or at least I talk to myself about it, the ego is how we see ourselves, but always, but also how we protect ourselves. So, so much of the way we act and react, and I loved that you guys were talking about, you know, how we respond to things. But so much of how we act and react is really our ego protecting ourselves. Mm. So building walls, you know, around our heart, for example, because we're afraid of being hurt or disappointed or um, fear of not being good enough, you know, and all those traumas and stories from our, our childhood, our ego then protects us from being hurt again, but then it comes out as either being cold or distant or being angry or resentful or, you know, all of these 
really ugly traits. Yeah, it's like the, these protective walls or it's throwing fireballs. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Attacking or being aggressive. And it's, I was listening to, who was it? No, I was having a conversation with a friend just, just yesterday. And um, he, he made a statement, which I hadn't thought of before, but it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like, and he works and kind of works and breathes in the personal development space. And it's like, he said, you know, you want to be angry at someone but you really understand where it all comes from. It's hard to, it's hard to express that or hard to, hard to be angry when you really know that they're just hurting. And I thought those are, you know, it's easier said than done sometimes, but it's a really interesting thought that when you really understand the, what the ego is doing, what the, all these self-protective mechanisms that we adopt are for, when all we really want is to be accepted, to be appreciated, to be loved, to be respected for who we are. And, um, you know, it's often said that anger is always a secondary emotion. Right. What is, what's really behind that is some level of hurt or fear. Mm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things you and I talk about this, that's like, man, oh man, like, what would society be like if we were taught, like, this was part of the educational curriculum when we're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, to understand emotions and understand the role of the ego and not have to be wait for us to stumble upon it when we're fully blown adults if we're only if we're interested well that's it and i think as i as i you know throughout my life began to understand the ego and its role and its purpose um the natural instinct is is to say okay let's eliminate the ego Mm. you know especially people who are going deep into into the self-development world the natural reaction is to say okay let's get rid of this ego thing but what I love, and this is so much more practical, is what Christian said. It's it's not about getting rid of it; it's about taming it. It's about put. It's and actually, what he said, and I, you know, and I might be paraphrasing, but it's about healing the ego, mm. and that allows you to tame it and control it. And I mean, I can I can totally see why you love the analogy. It's like if we are a baseball stadium, mm. our ego is. The baseball. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Brilliant. As someone visual. who raised was raised on sports and yeah, you know, an it's br- a brilliant, brilliant visual to show how minuscule our ego is in our in our whole personality. And I think, and I think, particularly what we're talking about here is this in the in the uh, pursuit or activation of your interpersonal power, your ability to really own yourself and take a stand for what you believe in and show up authentically in the world. There is still the ego, you know, that um, in the competitive world, like you look at world, the top athletes, any great athlete, whether it's a, let's say a Tiger Woods or a, I don't know, Tom Brady, like there's going to be ego at play because they're like, they want to be the best. Of course. And in a competitive environment in, with sportsmanship, that is incredibly empowering, empowering. But in a family dynamic a relationship dynamic, even a work environment with colleagues it, it can be destroying it can be very destructive um i used to always say this in, in with corporate teams like we don't need to kill the competitive spirit we need to rally and be competitive against the marketplace or our competitors but not against each other right right and um yeah so i just i loved how christian said you know how can we heal the ego and um you're right. There, there is a place for the ego, like you just said, in competitive environments, and it rallies the troops. You know, it rallies you to get out there and, and you know, your drive and motivation. 
Um, but it can also get in our way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially in relationships, especially in whether it's um, intimate relationships or just any um, working relationships, anywhere where there's uh, inter um, two people at play. Um, I thought it was interesting you brought up our marriage and how um, you, I think you said we are drawn to the people who trigger us the most intentionally or unintentionally. And, um, but also the people who are, are brought to us to help us heal those wounds. Talk to me a little bit about that. Mm. <laughs> you say that with a wry grin on your, on your face. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a belief that I've come, you know, it is a belief. Is it scientific proof? No, but it's a belief that I have just seeing how things have played out in the work that I've done, what I've been exposed to and, and really peeling back the, the layers of what goes on in closed doors, right? Behind closed doors in relationships. And no one triggers us or pushes our buttons or knows, know which buttons to push better than our significant other. Yeah, I mean, our, I don't know if we talked about this, but our, our most intimate relationship is where we are most vulnerable in our entire life. Yeah. And it's where we most want to be accepted and loved. And yet it's the most, it's the area where, again, we don't really learn and we often unfortunately don't have great role models for how to deal with challenges and conflicts in relationships. All we know is we get suddenly something happens like someone makes a grilled cheese sandwich or something and it wasn't done the right way. And the next thing you know, you're in a full hairy fight and then you realize it's not about the grilled cheese. We're laughing here, by the way, because that is a true story of our early relationship where I was making a grilled cheese sandwich and Chris told me how to do it better and I no, was I, fully triggered. Actually, can I, can I, can I give the, the real sure, deal? Sure, sure, sure. In, in a nutshell was, we came home after being out and you said, can I make you a grilled cheese? And I'm like, okay, great. Because I usually do the cooking and I'm like, that's really, lo-. in my head, I'm like, that's really lovely. Yeah, that'd be great. If you did that, I'm going to go up and shower. And I took my time and made a shower and I came down. My recollection is you were fully triggered and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? You offered, but now I shouldn't have said yes. I should have stepped in. Like all this thing unraveled. I totally forgot all of that. And in the middle of our (laughs) tete-a-tete, I'm like, this is not about the grilled cheese. And I was so wrapped up in... And you're like, it being, is about the ground church. Totally. I was so wrapped up in being triggered. I absolutely yelled back at you. It is about the grilled cheese. And it totally wasn't about the grilled cheese. No, it was about something else. And then stacking through the day where you felt you were being, you were disempowered for something. Or, or, oh, you were, and you, you know, could link it back to childhood stuff. And so <laughs> I think that's why I find Christian's work so fascinating, right? And how he breaks it down is because... I know I've done a lot of work on this and I know I have a lot of a lot more work to do on this. But it was just funny hearing you talk about, you know, um, no one pushes your buttons better than your spouse. Because I think I grew up, well, I know, I grew up in a family where we were almost rewarded or not rewarded in a positive sense, but we were taught how to push each other's buttons. Right. You know, which results in sarcasm or, or snooty remarks. If someone doesn't, you know, if you're not triggered directly, then it comes out as a snooty remark later or sarcasm later. If you, if you don't heal the wound in them, but 
you learn you learn you were you were taught by observation you, you absolutely by observation. absolutely and I think I got a master class my childhood was a master class on how to push buttons either and I thought you were gonna say a master's degree master's degree it my, like that to me. no it was a, <laughs> it was a master's class in how to push buttons is is you look for someone's you know per, and I say this in air quotes like perceived weakness and you you start pushing it and you know if you're looking for attention as a kid or as a spouse, for example, and you don't know how else to get that, you start pushing buttons because that gives you that gives you a reaction. And I, I say that full well knowing that we have an 18-month-old son downstairs. And that's what he does. As soon as he gets a reaction, which is usually, uh, oh my God, do not touch the stove because it's hot. The burner is on. He's like, he literally smiles and looks at us and then goes back to the stove because he got a reaction. Now I know what to do. Completely. I got daddy's attention. I'm going to do it again. And he's gotten into this point where he now pulls my hair because he knows you will jump in to rescue me. So he, he's literally, you haven't even been at the house and he'll pull my hair saying daddy. And he starts looking around because he's (laughs) expecting daddy's attention. So all this, I know we've gotten a little off topic here, but the ego I find is fascinating. And I think what I what I really liked about your your conversation with Christian is I know in my life I've tried to eliminate the ego. And you know, and it ends up being a really frustrating process because you can't. Yeah. And that's what I liked about Christian's conversation or and his his point. It's like, no, it's about healing it. It's not about eliminating it, it's about healing it. And you know. I also wanted, I, I don't know how much time we have um, available, but I also wanted to talk about the breath work that he, he, you, you spoke about it just at the very end, but I find this really fascinating. And I study Dr. Joseph, Joe Dispenza quite a bit. I've been to his, you know, his live event. Um, I do a lot of his meditations. So this is where this is coming from. But, you know, this idea that childhood trauma or any trauma, trauma, emotional, um, physical, or else, you know, emotion, let's say emotional trauma can actually get trapped. Like it, it actually gets, becomes a psychosomatic. Um, and I'm, I'm probably butchering how this, this is, but it becomes, um, it becomes psychosomatic. It's no longer, you know, this trauma occurs it happened in our consciousness, but even after, well, after we forget about it or think we move on, we actually don't realize that it's been trapped in our subconscious and it becomes psychosomatic. Yeah. And then, and I don't know how much evidence there is, but I've, I've seen it in my own life and, and Christian mentioned this as well. It then becomes trapped in our physical body. So yeah. what was originally just an emotion or just something that happened and was an emotion first gets trapped in our subconscious, but then it needs somewhere to live indefinitely. So it starts residing and gets buried in our body. Yep. And that's where chronic diseases come, come out. Autoimmune diseases, all of these diseases and illnesses are really just psychosomatic responses to past trauma. And we see this time and time again. And what I didn't realize, so I've, I've known all of that but what I didn't realize is how breath work can actually help release, which I find just fascinating yeah. that breath work and specific techniques when done in specific ways 
for specific durations um, can actually help release those psychosomatic emotions from the body, thereby releasing us, our, our physical body from disease and illness. And I just, I find this, and if you're interested in this, it sounds like Christian knows what he's talking about in terms of breath work. Dr. Joe Dispenza deals with that with meditation. There are so many people who, who look at this psychosomatic illnesses and psychosomatic um, disease and, and treat it from very different ways. And I just find this really fascinating and how, and how, as you mentioned, quantum physics, um, neuroscience, the science is now catching up to explain why this is happening, which I just find like it's, it blows my mind and I'm, I'm going deep down the rabbit hole in my own life on this because I just, I'm, yeah, I, I can't imagine anything more powerful than that. Yeah, and it reminded me of um, last year when we had Alan Kleinhans on the show. And he mentioned some of the, the four books that really had a big impact on him. And one of them was Breathwork. Uh, I forget the woman's name, but it's in our show notes from that episode. But he found that very powerful in his life too, dealing with some of the traumas that he had growing up in the uh, being activated in the, in the South African army. And um, I was just actually reading something last night in one of my meditation apps. And it was just this neat little comic strip that they've created around the breath. And the, the simplicity of it is that the breath is a mechanism that retrains your, um, your sympathetic nervous system not to react so much. And same, similar principles behind heart math is the breath, breathing, is training. It's about the, the de-stressing of the body. And it's remarkable that, again, it's not remarkable. It's, just, it's too bad that this isn't more mainstream. Um, because it can save a lot of people. It can save a lot of, a lot of issues. Absolutely. And you think of, um, so breathwork is something I don't know much about. I would love to learn more about it. Actually, this is my call to you. Let's have, let's have a breathwork expert and just talk. I would love to learn more about breathwork on this, on this podcast. So we do one thing with our, with our little guy that I, I love that we do it. And that is we've taught him. He's 18 months old. And we've taught him, so every night we we bathe him. And for the longest time, um, up until a couple months ago, he would refuse to... A pan- like almost a panic attack. A panic attack. Lying down in the water. He refused to lie down in the water. Even if there was an inch of water in the bathtub, he would refuse to lie down on his back. And so at one point, we taught him, we you know eventually got him to the place where he would lie, lie on his back, but we've taught him now that lying on your back equates to taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And we've gotten him to the point where he will do that for automatically automatically for 20 breaths yeah. and we'll breathe in like the three of us will be there and we'll all be breathing in and breathing out. And we, we kind of do this meditative experience with him. And quite frankly, I don't know what we're, what we're doing, <laughs> right? This was just kind of a spur of the moment. Let's just practice and breathe in and just relax I would love to know um, more about if we're doing the right thing. How, but more importantly, I think we are doing the right thing. But more importantly, how can we make this experience even better for him, as we're programming him, yeah. right? Like yeah, as a seven-year-old, yeah, yeah. or a seven-year-old for the first seven years of his life, we are programming him. Yeah. So how can we introduce breath work as a really positive? I love it. Um, positive thing that he can use and a skill that he can take forward. Anyway, I'm just kind of throwing hold, this hold, out with. Hold, hold the space, yeah. Hold the space. We'll, we'll come back with someone, an expert in that area for sure. 
Yeah, maybe, but, maybe it's Christian coming back on that. Oh, that would be amazing. I would love to hear more about Christian and more from Christian. But um, great interview. And I would just say, it's really nice to be back here. It's yeah. really nice. Um, I didn't realize how much I missed these episodes, these interviews, and I how much I missed these after shows. And I so look forward to making this a regular part of 2021 and moving forward. We know it will be. And, and as always, for anyone listening to this who had a chance to listen, to listen to the interview, we'd love to know what your thoughts were after the show, what the interview is. So please, uh, you, know, you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash The Ignition Show um, or go to our website, theignitionshow.com and you can leave us a comment or message there. We'd love to hear from you, what you took away from the show. And, and, and can I just talk, chime in? I would love to hear, what did you learn? But also, if we're doing something wrong with our son, let us know. <laughs> Tell us what we can be doing better. Oh, I'm sure we are. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com connect. That's theignitionshow.com connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.